Okay, welcome to Gender Troubles. I'm Emma. I'm Eva. And we majored in gender studies, so you don't have to. Exactly. We're going to do a quick little episode today. It's not. It's going to be a, a mini episode, if you will. Uh, and we're going to talk about standpoint theory. So standpoint theory is like, it's used a lot in feminism, but it actually has like a a deeper history in like philosophy just in general and in social sciences. Um, so I'm just gonna kind of give you a brief overview of it, of it and why it is useful when we're speaking about, about feminism. So yeah, standpoint theory is used in a number of disciplines like philosophy and social sciences, but has been particularly useful in gender studies. And its origins are from Hegel and his idea of the like master-slave relationship. Okay. Which I don't know much at all about because I didn't study philosophy. Uh, <laughs> and there's also it's, it was kind of adapted then by Marx in the view of the bourgeois and the proletariat relationship mm-hmm. and especially the study of the experience of the proletariat so then in the 1970s feminism feminism used this Marxist framework to understand the structural relationship between men and women and emphasize the need for thought the production of thought from the experience of women so obviously now this has come a long way from the 70s and can be seen uh, in gender how in how gender studies prioritizes knowledge from experience or from a standpoint mm-hmm. um so not just in the gender binary of you know the experience of women but rather from multiple experiences so for example gender studies tends to prioritize the knowledge knowledge of transgender identity written by transgender authors or prioritizes the knowledge uh, or prioritizes knowledge on sex work written by sex workers rather than those theorizing about a subject they have no experience in. So rather than like, you know, something like, I guess, traditionally like anthropology where you have like someone studying the other, you know, uh, there's a really huge focus in gender studies on like um, studying knowledge and prioritizing knowledge from the experience of from the person who's had those direct experiences. Um, Which, quite frankly, seems like the better, better method. I know I'm partially yes. biased, but <laughs> I don't know why you would trust someone, you know, writing and theorizing on something that they're, you know, don't have a standpoint stake in. Right. But this is interesting because, um, you know, in traditional scientific thought, uh, there's a huge emphasis on what is objective and neutral. And Mm. it was sort of there's there's this thought that like a person who has a lived experience was thought of being incapable of objectivity and neutrality because they were somehow like too close to the issue. So I'm sure you've like heard that, you know, like, oh, you're too close to this. You can't you can't be objective. You can't be neutral right yes um so yeah what's seen as traditionally objective or or neutral was something separated from the lived experience that exists in this some absolute truth vacuum you know we're like we're so far we're we're so far removed from the situation that we can see it objectively Mm -hmm. um so this has kind of uh been the the thought that has persisted through social sciences and and other you know whatever traditional physical sciences um throughout history um and like unless you are studying people like from a room up above like a panopticon or something like anybody even if you consider yourself to be removed and objective if you are 
you know, interacting with other people, you are somehow, you are involved and that shifts the dynamics and that shifts, you know, what you are going to observe and what your experience is going to be. Exactly. So this idea of like this, this separate Mm -hmm. observatory person just, just doesn't take into account human and our relationships with each other and how we influence each other, even if you don't think it's happening. Yeah. And like our social position as well. Like, so traditionally in, you know, science that like scientific knowledge has been predominantly, uh, has prioritized the experience of white cis men. And those Mm -hmm. have been, you know, the people who have been considered to be objective and neutral and, Mm -hmm. um, and thus, you know, there have been many sexist and racist and androcentric truths written into history um, because those are the people that, you know, whose knowledge we have prioritized. Um, Yeah. So I guess standpoint theory comes in and it argues that objectivity and truth and authority lay within the lived experience of the individual and that the truth of a situation will likely have more authority from the perspective of the oppressed. Hmm. And Sandra Harding wrote a lot about this, and she's an American philosopher and feminist um, that wrote a lot in the 80s and 90s. And she gave the following example, which I found really useful. So imagine you have two people drawing a picture of a scene on stage, and they have to look forward and draw what they see. And one person is in the very front row, like really, really close to the stage. And so the drawing that they produce is quite zoomed in. It's a micro version of the entire scene and only a section of the entire stage is what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one person is in the very back row and they can see the entire scene as well as people on the sides of the stage and maybe in the rafters and all of the people in the audience in front of them. And they get this really zoomed out perspective of all the moving parts of the scene. So this is kind of useful when speaking about oppression and experience um, and the idea of standpoint theory is that is an, it is important to listen to the particular experience of the oppressed because the ex- that experience often illuminates the larger structural systemic forces at play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, yeah, like in that example, you know, like maybe a, a white, cis, gender, uh, heterosexual, middle class male is the one in the front row. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, he can see like a very maybe limited perspective, especially when it comes to issues of like privilege and oppression, because he hasn't really faced much. And then, you know, the person and in the back row is a person that comes from multiple intersections of, of oppression. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing all these forces at play, whether it be racism and sexism and class struggle. Um, and yeah, their, their perspective on the world is going to be a lot different mm-hmm. and potentially does, more valuable. The standpoint theory also kind of take in ideas around kind of intergenerational knowledge and that a person may be approaching something and their standpoint and it's not even just theirs because it's kind of you know the history of their family and of the legacies and stuff i'm I'm, i don't know i'm thinking of i'm thinking of trauma right (laughs) yeah how how we how we think about trauma as being intergenerational Mm -hmm. and how not only can someone be approaching approaching something with this lens of their stand, you know, of standpoint theory. It's not just them looking out at this stage, but it's them and, you know, their whole community and family Mm. and the experiences that they have heard and know of and witnessed that also helps inform what the view is that they have. 
Yeah, I mean, I've never read anything about standpoint theory and directly like linking in intergenerational trauma, but I think mm -hmm. it definitely would apply like, you know, the experience of like a second generation immigrant and like the mm -hmm. experience that their parents or parents' parents um, faced like, uh, you know, being part of like a diaspora in like, you know, new America or something. Mm -hmm. And I think that like that, that knowledge is brought forth into the the following generations and that it would definitely like provide a different and more valuable worldview than someone that had not necessarily had that history. Um, definitely. I think that that, that applies. So yeah, I guess um, according to Hardy, Harding, standpoint theory is like a method of doing research and producing knowledge, especially in the academy that like questions the idea of Object, objectivity and instead begins thought from the experience of um, oppressed people with the aim of being able to illuminate questions and consider perspectives that would not necessarily arise from the dominant social groups experience. Mm -hmm. And the idea that those on top in a stratified society um, have historically organized and developed knowledge and set standards of knowledge. So standpoint asks for the oppressed experience to inform and organize and develop knowledge instead. Um, and it also, it rejects relativism. So instead stating that like some, some experiences do matter more. So Love it's it. not like, yeah, exactly. I thought that was great. Um, There's two no, sides to every story. It's like, no, sometimes one's better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it also like she fully rejects the idea of what she calls automatic epistemic privilege. So that would be What's like, that? um, so like all women have epistemic privilege or, um, you know, like the privilege of like thought, like their, their thought would be privileged over men's mm. like, so she's not saying like, just because women are potentially more oppressed that their knowledge should always be prioritized and she gives the example of like women in germany in uh, the middle of the 20th century who were part of women's groups that um like actively occluded jewish women mm -hmm. right so like again i mean i think we've like hit this nail on the head a bunch of times but like <laughs> just because you're a woman doesn't mean that like your thoughts should be prioritized because you could be a nazi yeah. Um, but yeah, just, I guess, um, sort of refuting this idea that there is like an objective knowledge production, especially in the academy, which has been not where knowledge has largely been produced by like a certain group of people. And they are people like at like the top of a stratified society, um, and instead sort of engaging in knowledge production that comes from oppressed people, mm. um, in a way of sort of reframing thought. I like that. Yeah, I uh, it's something that has, I guess, stuck with me uh, since university. And yeah, Sandra Harding has a lot of videos on YouTube that explain it. I'll link some in the show notes. Oh, um, we love it. Yeah. Well, thank um, you for this. Yeah, just a little quick episode on standpoint theory. I'm going to link some. Uh, some reading as well in the show notes. So if you want to learn more about standpoint theory, you can. Uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>